You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another episode of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast, a playoff edition of the podcast. Welcome in, Colts fans. Great show on tap for you as we'll look ahead to the Horseshoes playoff matchup against the Buffalo Bills, a 2-7 seed, of course, the vintage 2-7 seed matchup. Got to throw out the record books when, uh, whenever the two and the seven seed meet in the uh, in the playoffs. We'll talk about te- keys to the game. We'll make predictions, but first we start with some news around the NFL. And this Thursday morning, Colts got some good news and some recognition for some of their star players over the last month. As DeForest Buckner was named the AFC's Defensive Player of the Month, and running back Jonathan Taylor was named the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Month. Uh, Mike, both of those two guys had tremendous months. I know Buckner, we've uh, we've already been on the fact that he was not uh, voted to the Pro Bowl being um, a little bit more than ridiculous. But I think if the Pro Bowl vote went all the way through the end of this month, he would have had certainly a better chance to get in because he has just been playing gangbusters right now. He's a game wrecker, uh, as he has been most of the season, but certainly more so over the last month. Yeah, I think what, what everyone's hoping associated with the Colts is that the Pro Bowl gets trumped by all pro, which is nowadays all pros 10 times more important. And that's where you get your notoriety. It'll be similar to uh, Darius Leonard as a rookie. Remember, he was snubbed by the Pro Bowl and made first team all pro. So and we go we go back to DeForest Buckner's value is seen in the game he didn't play right. when they get boat raced. So, uh, and Jonathan Taylor, I tell you, the kid, if he saw the rookie wall, he ran through it. He's finishes as strong as any rookie I can remember in a long time. So kudos to both of them. Joe, it's hard to to pick one or the other. Either of these two guys is which one had the more impressive month. So it's it's fitting that the uh, the NFL decide to recognize both of them, and they they certainly deserved it. Yeah, you know Buckner's had multiple double digit or not double digit, but multiple two sack games, and Taylor. I mean. Do I even need to talk about Taylor? We all know what he's done over the last several weeks. So I'm glad they got some something to put on their. Do they get a trophy for this or a plaque or anything like that? They better get something for it. I think you know? they get a pat on the back. I think it's about all they get. A pat yeah. on the back. All right. A certificate or whatever. Some retweets. Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, piece of news across the NFL that certainly will be of interest to Colts fans is uh, Anton Bethea has decided to to hang up his cleats and retire. After uh, after 14 years in the league, he was not on any roster this year, did not play. So uh, after one year, he's like, you know what? I'm good. I'm out. Uh, came out of Howard College or Howard University, excuse me. A sixth round pick way back in 2006, was a rookie for the Colts Super Bowl win, played in three Pro Bowls over his career. Mike, I know that he was a fan favorite here uh, just from seeing some of the reaction on Twitter today. I, I know some people would have liked to have seen him stay when uh, all the uh, the cost chopping was done in the uh when kind of the Colts shifted in the early 2000s um or in the mid 2000s but um but but Bethay was 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 very much valuable during his time here and uh, now he has decided that uh, his NFL playing days are over you know there's a handful of guys that when you first see him in the locker room you say this guy belongs the way he carries himself he was a starter from that uh, first day in 2006 training camp he just he just had it. Whatever you know, he and Gerard Powers and people like that, uh, they just get it. He was one of the all-time 
great cults that didn't get the recognition maybe that others did. Uh, and yeah, he was, my, my memory of him is they let him go and they got uh, Laurent Landry. How'd that work out? So kudos to him. And again, th- th- there are ways to carry yourself as a rookie, as a veteran, and he did both. And uh, I wish him the best in whatever he does. Joe, I think one remarkable stat about the Thay was in his 14th year, just uh, not this year, but two years ago when he uh, played for the Giants, he started, I think it was all 14 games or something that he played, and he still had 110 tackles. So this guy was still near, near he, he was still playing great football even 14 years out of college. Yeah, he was always rock solid. I remember him and uh, Bob Sanders made quite the formidable tandem back in the day. Um, if Mike, do I remember this right? I think they decided to pay Vontae Davis at the same year that they let uh, Antoine Bethea go. That may be different positions, but you had to make you had to make uh, decisions. And and you know, in fairness, he, he was near nearer the end of his career than Vontae was. So but we it, thought, right? But but <laughs> in, in the history of Mulligans, you like to revisit Antoine Bethea. There's probably four or five guys. You'd like to have a do-over on, and he's certainly one of them. Officially, Trevor Lawrence has declared for the 2021 NFL Draft, and uh, barring some extreme circumstances, he will be a Jacksonville Jaguar next season for the next four seasons at least, and uh, likely beyond that. Um, So, guys, I guess get ready to see Trevor Lawrence. We'll see uh, if he can shake off the the Jacksonville curse or whatever it is of being drafted in the top five or top ten in – as a quarterback, you know, Blake Bortles, not so good. Blaine Gabbert, not so good. Um, you got to go back really to David Garrard until you had a competent quarterback, uh, consistent competent quarterback uh, taking snaps in Jacksonville. So it's likely going to be Trevor Lawrence as he officially declares for the NFL draft. And uh, we pour one out for Syracuse University's own Doug Marone, who has been fired as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, searches on for a new GM and head coach. Which, um, you know, Joe, this, this, I make fun of the Jaguars a little bit, just w- referring to their, uh, their, inept, their ineptitude in drafting a quarterback. But if you're a GM or a head coach, it, it's a relatively intriguing situation. You have, you have a, um, an ownership group in the cons that, that, wants to, that wants to spend money and wants to be relevant. And, and you have a whole lot else that, uh, that you've detailed here that, that is uh, intriguing to a potential coach or GM as well. Yeah, obviously the first overall pick and Trevor Lawrence, if you want him, I don't know why you wouldn't. And they have multiple first round picks, a lot of draft capital throughout this year and next year. And they're either one or two in projected cap space as well. So a lot to work with if you're a general manager and if you're a head coach, you just see that opportunity and say, you know, this is probably a destination where a head coach is going to get a five, six-year contract. They understand it's a rebuild. Obviously, they won't get all five, six years to start winning, but there are a lot of worse spots in the NFL to land, uh, like the New York Jets as one of them. Yeah, and one thing to keep in mind, if I I read it right, the owner wants to be involved. Yeah. Well, that's that's not good. That is a little dangerous. (laughs) That's a little dangerous. And isn't this one of the spots that Urban Meyer has apparently shown interest in? He's, his name has been thrown out there, Urban Meyer. Whether that's from him or from the team, I don't know. But uh, the, the thing that's the only thing that's a cautionary tale is when the owner says, "I'm going to be involved in things." Uh, I, I, I've been through things where the owner's involved in it. It's not. It's not a good situation. 
Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus is going to, of course, uh, handle defensive coordinator duties this weekend or the Bills game, but afterwards he will also have to handle some head coaching interviews. Uh, reports indicate that Eberflus will be interviewed by the Jets, the Texans, and the Chargers for their head coach opening positions. And those are just three right now. There's a, a couple other spots, of course, available. And, uh, Mike, it's not, uh, not a big surprise that Eberflus is getting his name thrown out there. Uh, just because of, I guess, his history, his pedigree, and uh, to see uh, what the Colts' defense, being a top-10 unit in the league this year, has done. Yeah, and, and this is one of those, uh, I'm not saying he's not going to get these jobs at all. I mean, perhaps he will. But th this is what these assistants and coordinators do. You go through the process. You get your name out there. You keep knocking on the door. I interviewed for Cleveland a couple years ago. And that that's what you do. You 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 get your name. It's I guess it's high-end networking, and you learn from interviews. What are they asking about? And Tony Dungy always used to say he went into one interview early, early, and he knew he wasn't going to get it. He could just tell by the vibes. He, he's, he's not so sure he wasn't part of the Rooney rule to, to make sure he was part of that. But he said, that's fine. He said, I understood that, but I learned from the interview. And that's with, with Flus, uh, you know, he comes across with us as kind of, you know, he is. He's detailed and he's he's on point. If that's what you want in a in a in a head coach, demanding, uh, he'd be a great a great acquisition as a head coach to manage the entire operation. The Houston Texans announced Thursday they have signed former Patriots front front office man Nick Casario to be their new general manager. They tried to interview him in 2019, but the Patriots blocked them then. So. Uh, they finally get their guy, and Joe, a six-year contract reported by Adam Schefter, saying he's going to become one of the highest-paid GMs in the league. Uh, they, they tried with one Patriot and Bill O'Brien and failed. They're hoping that Casario can be different. Yeah, and I, I know he seems to be highly regarded around the league, but if you look at the Patriots' last several drafts, in my opinion at least, they're not very impressive. Um, I mean, you can just go back to a year ago, Nikhil Harry in the first round. That doesn't seem to be working out well, so... Uh, we'll see how this goes. I mean, obviously, Bill Belichick also had a lot of sway in that Patriots organization, so maybe Casario can do a little bit more of his own thing away from Belichick. Um, but certainly this has been someone that the Texans have been trying to get for years, and they finally landed their guy. And staying in Houston, there's uh, at least some rumors on pro football talk that Deshaun Watson might want out. I I'm not lending this too much credence just yet, Mike. Uh, there's obviously uh, immense frustration coming out of the season that the Texans just had. And you saw it bubble over a little bit with J.J. Watt uh, with, uh, with his interviews. Uh, he's, of course, handling it professionally and while he's expressing his frustration as well. So uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say that Watson's going to leave Houston this, uh, this year by, by any stretch of the imagination, especially with a new GM, new head coach coming in. You inject some new life into the organization. So, but, but, but it's something to keep an eye on, nevertheless, that, uh, that Watson, of, of course, he's expecting better. Than, uh, than what the Texans were able to do this year. Well, Bill Bryan's gone, right? Right, exactly. So he, he's got he's already got rid of you know DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think they now they'll they, they'll get rid of a. It's one thing to be stupid and get rid of a generational receiver. You don't get rid of a quarterback, and, and you'll you'll do. And again, who knows how much is it is this mumbling or what it is? The idea that any franchise would get rid of any top. Five again. If I'm starting a team, this guy's number two behind Mahomes. He just is. And the, any idea that that 
that Houston, one, would trade him, and two, would trade him inside the division to, like, I don't know, Indy, laughable. Although I would, I would drive to Houston and drive him up here if he wants to come. <laughs> Speaking of trading away a uh, potential franchise quarterback, the Philadelphia Eagles have continued to fire their offensive staff. Rich uh, Scangarello and Marty Morningweg are on the way out. Just uh, Joe continuing really what's been a mass exodus in that team after Frank Reich left to become the head coach here in Indianapolis. Uh, offensive coordinator Mike Groh was fired last year uh, that uh, – the Eagles played this past season without an offensive coordinator. Doug Peterson was the guy who was calling plays uh, himself there. But uh, there, I know, I know for a fact because I am from that area and I follow a lot of either media or friends in that area that that there's a whole big group of people that uh, that are that wish that Frank Reich had stayed and wish that Frank Reich was the guy who was kind of leading that team right now based on everything that has happened. And the saga with Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, who is uh, likely, well, I don't, I don't know about likely on his way out. That's a topic for another time. But uh, nevertheless, that, that's a staff that has been, an offensive staff that has been searching for an identity ever since uh, the Colts head coach, Frank Reich, uh, left. Yeah, just like you said, there, there seems to be a lot of people gunning for Doug Peterson's head right now, especially after the decision to bench hurts in the final game and do what a lot of people consider tanking uh, i know a lot of the players were not very happy with that decision it almost seems like he's lost the locker room i'm not sure what you can do after that but we'll we'll just have to see what goes on you know uh it's gone downhill for the eagles since their super bowl win we'll see how how much they'll uh, dislike that uh that choice when the eagles draft either uh when the eagles draft Devonte smith number six overall in the in the draft, we'll see how much they hate it when they see him scoring eight touchdowns a year for the next ten years. I don't know. I, I like I don't care. Like I don't know. Uh, may, yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm the outlier, but I don't care that that you brought in Nate Sudfeld. I don't care. Uh, it, it, you know, I did I didn't like it, and but, but for for Dallas or the Giants to bitch and moan, win more. I mean, yep. th- that, th- yeah. th- that that's one thing that we need to prepare ourselves for because it's going to happen. The noise is going to get louder and louder about Frank Reich being reunited with Carson Wentz. It's going to happen. And, you know, especially with, with Philip Rivers' contract situation and depending on how Saturday goes, I'm not sure I'd go down that road because right now I think Carson Wentz is broken. Is that a one-year fix or is it going to be take more? I don't know. But for us to think that that's not going to intensify, we're crazy. You're completely right, and I've already had Twitter uh, discussions, we'll call them, with with people who just think that the the that the Colts can get Wentz for pennies on the dollar, and it's just not going to happen. And I'm like, look, it, you get Laramie Tunsil for two first round picks, you you get Jamal Adams for two first round picks. The Colts were lucky to get DeForest Buckner for one first round pick. Very fortunate. There's no way that the Eagles are going to trade away a franchise quarterback and that's what it would be somebody is trading for Wentz to get a franchise quarterback you're not getting a franchise quarterback for less than three first round picks it's just not going to happen they're not going to give it away I don't care what his contract situation is yeah it's a bad contract but the Eagles are either going to eat the contract in dead money or they're going to eat it by keeping him on the roster for one more year it's 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 not they're they're not desperate I don't think to get him out Wentz is not a guy I don't think that's going to be a locker room cancer he's not a guy that's a complainer like that I think that the locker room will could be divided between them, but 
but you're you're just not you're not going to unload him for nothing. And I think people think that the Colts can get him for nothing, or anyone can get him for oh, just one first round pick or a couple of second like that. That it, it's an asinine idea that you would get Carson Wentz for for something that that's that cheap. It's not going to happen. Get over it. It, 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 I don't care how, how impressed you are with Chris Ballard getting DeForest Buckner for only one first-round pick. Carson Wentz is not going to go for that little. It's just not. So, so yes, you're right, Mike. I think I, the, the noise is going to get louder. It has to, just because of what Reich was able to do with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. He was going to win the MVP that year until he got injured. Then the Eagles go on to win the Super Bowl that season, too. So I, I think Frank would love to have Carson Wentz, I think he would love it, but the, it's going to be a steep price tag, and I don't care what 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 you on Twitter uh, have to say about it. It's, it's just not going to be cheap. It's not going to be. So that that's my rant on Carson Wentz for for right now. We'll we'll see if it it gets any louder later with the uh, loudness of, of all y'all. COVID has been plaguing the Cleveland Browns a little bit this week, uh, specifically at the top. Head coach Kevin Stefanski has tested positive on Tuesday. He will be unavailable to coach the Browns in uh, their wild card matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I mean, Mike, that, that's rough. You, your franchise finally makes the playoffs for the first time since 2002, and then your head coach tested positive. He's not going to be able to play. Pro Bowl guard uh, Joe Batonio also tested positive, won't be able to play. So it, it's it, it's a tough situation they're in. It's an unfortunate situation they're in. But, I mean, other teams have gone through it in the past uh, as well. This is uh, they, just because the playoffs are here doesn't mean COVID is gone. And uh, this is, uh, I, I think, an unfortunate reality. And uh, you hope it doesn't impact too many games. But, hey, it, it's impacted the Browns right off the bat. Well, I think as we're recording, I don't think their facility is open yet. I don't think so either. And they're hoping to practice tomorrow. Yeah. So in the pro- the problem they're in, when I mean they, I mean the Browns in the league is there, there's no there's no plan B for you know push the game to Monday or Tuesday. You can't you can't do that because then you're in the ripple effect with other teams. So I don't right. know what you do uh, whether you, they have no more positive tests. I don't think there have been today. Uh, yeah, this this is where you are, and you know kudos to the league for getting through 17 games. But now you're in the area that if there is an outbreak, uh, you just deal with it. Now, whether it's a bunch of players and you're not going to expose another team to that that team's players, I don't know. But unless I'm missing, there is no plan B on where we'll take Pittsburgh and Cleveland and play it on Tuesday and go from there. I don't see how you do that. So uh, I'm sure the league's got its collective fingers crossed in New York right now. All right, that was a lot of news to get through throughout the week. Let's actually talk about the game. Colts-Bills this Saturday, the first playoff game of the season, kicking off at 1.05 p.m. Saturday afternoon, broadcast in central Indiana on CBS4. Injury report first. For the Colts, cornerback Rocky Seen has not practiced this week. He remains in concussion protocol, and I believe uh, that means uh, that he won't be able to play, period, because you get their final practice is this Thursday as we uh, do this podcast, and he hasn't even had a limited practice yet. So to get through concussion protocol, you need a limited practice. To be cleared, you need a full participate in practice, then to be cleared. So Rocky Cena, if unless I'm mistaken, is not going to play this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, another uh, member of the secondary is much better news. Kari Willis at safety was a full participant in both Tuesday and Wednesday's practice. He missed last Sunday's game against the Jaguars with a concussion. So Kari Willis is likely on his way back to returning to the team 
as the uh, Colts enter the playoffs. DeForest Buckner did not practice on Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, just resting his ankle. If he does not play against uh, the Bills, I will print out this rundown and eat it. I think he is going to play. Offensive tackle Will Holden did not practice on Tuesday or Wednesday with his ankle injury. It's unlikely I think he will return. Jared Veldier came on and uh, performed uh, adequately, we will say at least adequately, uh, last week against the Jaguars, coming out of retirement basically to, uh, to join the uh, left tackle ranks with Anthony Costanzo out. Running back Jonathan Taylor limited Tuesday and Wednesday. His shoulders hurting him from plowing through all those Jaguars defenders last weekend, so making sure he doesn't stress it too much. So that's the Colts injury report. Overall, Mike, that, that's, not a, that's not a horrible injury report. Of course, you would rather have your starting left tackle in there as the, uh, the playoffs begin, but um, you, you have most, if not all, of the rest of your starters there. And having Kari Willis back, I think, is, is a big get because when he left that Pittsburgh game, that's when the Steelers came back uh, on him. They, they were able to beat, him, beat the Colts deep a couple times. Willis's absence was noticed in the secondary in that game. So to have him back, I think, is a really, really big boost for the defense. Yeah, if you give me Kari Willis or Rob Cassin, I'll take Kari Willis, although you normally would take a, set or a corner, I think. Uh, but it, DeForest Buckner uh, did practice today, maybe limited, but he practiced. And that's On Thursday, yes. Thursday. So, so uh, Jonathan Taylor's got a little bit of a shoulder issue. I think he was wearing a red jersey for no contact on Thursday, but he told us yesterday he's going to play. This is, he said, when you play this long, as a running back, you're going to have things. The fact that you're this deep and this is all you're dealing with, again, knock on wood. Uh, yes, should love to have Costanzo there. He's not going to be there. Uh, it's. I wish we had had time to, to do a story or talk more on Jared Beldier. It's an amazing, amazing story that, he, that he's an assistant coach in Michigan. In, high school in, coach, yes. High, high school coach in Michigan, and then – you know, a few days later, he, he's lining up. He practiced twice. He practiced twice. He was in town for about a week. He had to go through through uh, COVID protocol and played well. I mean, I, I, I didn't break down the tape, but Jonathan Taylor's monster runs were left side. So he was doing something and uh, not getting in the way. So kudos to him. Sometimes your first game is pretty good and then things fall back, but uh, he was a major step up from the guys they had in there. Now you can come in and be incredibly fresh in that first game, and then all of a sudden you get a little uh, football uh, dinged up here and there. So you'll see, we'll see how Veldier handles that, of course. Now, he was uh, on the bench for so long. He was uh, the freshest player out on the field, certainly. Um, so how does he play uh, now that he's kind of thrown into it? We will see. For the Bills, uh, their injury report as a couple players on there, wide receivers, all of them here. Cole Beasley did not practice on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, the slot receiver missed last week's game against the Dolphins as well with this knee injury. Um, it's looking that it's perhaps unlikely that he play. I don't know what's happening this Thursday, actually. So we'll, we'll wait to see what he uh, what the Bills do uh, with his injury. Uh, excuse me, his practice report here on Thursday. Um, but uh, to, to not practice Tuesday or Wednesday after missing last week's two is certainly not a good sign for the guy who caught 82 balls, second most on the team, for nearly 1,000 yards this year. And the wide receiver who led the NFL in catches and yards, Stephon Diggs, did not practice on Wednesday after he was limited on Tuesday. You might look at that and say, oh, that's not a good sign, but I also saw a video of him dancing around on the practice field on Wednesday too. So uh, I, I think that Stephon Diggs, once again, if Stephon Diggs does not play, I will print out this rundown and I will eat it. 
so I, I, Stephon Diggs is going to play in this game. And wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie limited on Tuesday and Wednesday with an ankle injury as well. We'll keep you updated on injuries as the week progresses. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at mchapel 51 Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. So that brings us to the game itself. Kickoff, as I mentioned, 105 on Saturday, the first playoff game to go. The 11-5 Colts visit the 13-3 Bills. And the 13-3 Bills are very much one of the best teams in the AFC. Uh, they've won six straight games. And it would have been 10 straight games if not for that crazy uh, Hail Murray, as Joe uh, calls it here, play. When Kyler Murray threw a Hail Mary in the fi- final second of the game, caught by um, uh, Chaps boy, uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone over, it seems like, three uh, Buffalo Bill defenders there. So uh, they're, they're, they're a hair's breadth away from being a 14-2 team. Heck, the Colts are talking this week that 11-5 is a great season. 13-3 is a tremendous season. If you're 14-2, if you're a, literally a hair away from 14-2, you, you have an, one, one of the best seasons in a decade, we will say. To get to 14-2 is, is so difficult in the NFL, and the Bills were this close to it. Um, They have a high-powered offense, second in the NFL in points, second in the NFL in yards. They're first in the NFL in third down conversions. It's just hard to get this offense off the field, Mike. And when it's crazy because when Josh Allen was drafted a couple years ago, people viewed him as such a big project. He had a huge arm, but accuracy issues were were very much uh, evident when watching the film of him. He has been nothing short of tremendous and has led the bills to where they are this year. Yeah. I'm writing about it today on the website is is you're not, you know, this is a game you go into with the idea that he's going to get his, he just is. So you have to devise a way to limit what he gets. And I, I hearken back to maybe the two signature games in Reich's tenure here, Uh, Kansas city last year at Arrowhead, and the playoff game in Houston, uh, when they simply ran the ball, they they ran the damn ball to, to give Joe his. And that's what you're going to have to do. It's not just to play four corner and all this, but it's to be productive. Limit the times that a Mahomes uh, had in Kansas City last year. They, they harassed him. If you think you're going to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, you're crazy. They're going to get their 45, and you're going to get your 20. So if the Colts can, can control tempo, you know, not give up the massive plays that they've been giving up on defense and see how much durability Jonathan Taylor's got. He had 30 carries last week. It's funny, I did some deep diving, and it, I tried to see when the last time or how many times a Colt running back has had 30-plus carries in back-to-back games. I found two guys. Who do you think the last guy is? Edge? No. Not Edge? Okay. Uh, let's see. Was Dickerson one of them? Eric Dickerson was one. His second and third game here yeah. in 87. I figured and that one. Lydell Mitchell twice. Whew. So it's just, it's just not done very much. Maybe Taylor doesn't get his 30. But if he doesn't get 30, it needs to be 25 for him and 8 or 9 by Naheem Hines. I just think they have to be very, very uh, aware of limiting, you know, yes, when maybe this is a game where time of possession does matter. To where, to, but, but then again, it's, it's not kicking field goals because field goals aren't going to beat these guys. So there are, there are blueprints, 
but they're only good. They're only blueprints that work if they work. Joe, uh, Josh Allen is not just a threat throwing the ball either. He can run it too. He's got more than 400 yards, eight rushing touchdowns. When you're looking at fantasy quarterbacks, he had a stellar season and, and his arrow is pointing up in the fantasy world for sure because he's a big dude who can gain that first down on third down that I was saying, hey, they're, they're number one in third down conversions for a reason because Allen can either throw for it or run for it. Um, you, you can't sleep on this guy uh, at, at, at all. Yeah, it's really having an MVP level season. I mean, if it wasn't for the crazy seasons that like Aaron Rodgers is having, Josh Allen might be the MVP and deserves to be in the discussion. He ranks top five in completion percentage, passing yards, passing touchdowns, and passer rating. So just all around great year, breakout season for Josh Allen, and he's going to be difficult to stop. And he has a great wide receiver group that he throws to. We mentioned Stephon Diggs. Leads the NFL in catches with 127. Leads the NFL in receiving yards with 1,535. Leads the NFL in targets with 166 on the year. So he's going to get a, a good chunk of change uh, on, on Saturday afternoon, at least the opportunity to do so. Cole Beasley in the slot, if he's back, 80-plus catches this year. John Brown returned to the roster this week after he was banged up uh, most of the season with various injuries. And once again, John Brown is, is a dangerous wide receiver that you get just for playoff time. I mean, he was their leading wide receiver in 2019, topped 1,000 yards uh, while Josh Allen was throwing him the ball. So they have a good rapport, too. Rookie Gabriel Davis has made some big plays for them, averaging more than 17 yards per catch. Isaiah McKenzie is a speedster as well. Uh, caught six passes, 65 yards, two touchdowns in Cole Beasley's absence. So it's not like they don't have any options right there in the slot. McKenzie can come in and do that. And the Bills side, who should be a familiar uh, face to the Colts as well, Kenny Stills, wide receiver, to the roster on Monday. So, so there's a lot, a lot, a lot of options for Josh Allen in the passing game, where there isn't quite as much as the run game. It's very much average, 20th in the NFL, so really the bottom third in the league. And when you're facing the Colts, uh, Mike, the Colts running game that's ranked second in the NFL in rushing yards, I sincerely doubt that Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, get all that much going uh, in this game against the Colts. It's going to be Josh Allen-led. They're going to ride him. They're going to ride the wide receivers. I would be stunned if the Buffalo running game has a significant impact on this game. Yeah, and one thing Matt Eberflos told us is a lot of – some of their passing game is an extended run game. Uh, and, you know, I guess there have been games where they've had like 18 straight passes just because you, you trust that that much. Uh, so, yeah, this will be a game probably where the Colts run defense will have 18 rushes against them for 60 yards, maybe 50 yards. What, what, what's amazing to me, and this is what separates the great players there's, there's no question that Stefan Diggs is going to get his targets. 166 targets. You know it. And he still gets his yards yep. and his catches. It reminds me so much of Marvin Harrison when you knew what, they were, what the Colts were going to do. And they said, stop it. And people didn't stop it. So uh, whether the Colts try to do something squirrely with their coverage with Diggs and say, you know, back in the, in, in, when T.Y. was going hot, people would say, he won't beat us. We're going to make player two or player three beat us. I've not seen the Colts have the wherewithal to do that. I, I just never will take a player out of a game like Belichick is great at doing. So I just, again, that's why I go back to, you've got to limit how many times Allen and, and Diggs are out there. Cause they're going to get there. They're, they're that good. 
The Bills' offensive line is pretty decent. They are uh, ranked 10th in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. Uh, they've only allowed 27 sacks, so it's an average of less than two per game. Um, and, uh, Joe, I mean, that just, just echoes it's hard to bring down Josh Allen, I guess. And uh, you made a good point here about the I'll, – I'll circle back to the rushing attack. Like one-fourth of Buffalo's rushing yards come from Josh Allen. So uh, if, any, if anybody does danger to the Colts, I think, this, this weekend running the ball, Josh Allen is likely to be the guy. And just because, uh, A, he can get out and he can run, and, B, it's really – it's difficult to bring him down. He's a big dude. Yeah, this is really a, a passing team, which is crazy because you look back last year and this was a defense to run the ball team. They've kind of shifted with the emergence of Josh Allen. And, I mean, he has half of the rushing touchdowns as well. I will note that both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, the two running backs who kind of share the backfield in Buffalo, both average 4.3 yards per carry. So I think with the defensives focusing so much on that passing game, it kind of opens things up for them. But I have a lot of confidence in that the Colts are going to shut down the Bills' run game, and it's going to come down to Josh Allen's arms and legs. Tons, tons, tons of credit needs to go to Buffalo offensive coordinator Brian Dabble and their uh, quarterbacks coach Ken Dorsey for uh, being able to coach Josh Allen up to what he's done this year, completing nearly 60% of his passes, which I don't think anybody would have predicted when he was coming out of college just a couple of years ago that he would be able to get to that number this quickly. On the other side of the ball on defense, uh, the defense isn't as strong as it was last year when uh, all-pro cornerback Tredavious White was having just a tremendous season. Um, he's still good out there. You, you certainly uh, can't take that away from him. But uh, they have another pro bowler and linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, they have a pretty strong safety in Jordan Poyer. Um, but they're very much a middle-of-the-league middle, middle of the league team. Um, they uh, have, are ranked 16th in points allowed. They're ranked 14th in yards allowed. They're ranked 15th in sacks. So... All those numbers right, right around there in the middle. Where, where they excel, guys, is really where the Colts excel, too, is in takeaways. The Bills rank third in the NFL in takeaways in 26. The Colts are only one behind them. They have 25 takeaways this year. So these are both defenses that love to get the football. They have 15 interceptions, the, build, uh, the Bills do. They have 11 fumble uh, recoveries as well. So, Mike, uh, the Colts have been great this year at on offense, hanging on to the ball. They're one of the best in the league. They are second in the league in turnover percentage. I don't think there's any more important number going into this this week than uh, we can talk about the passing game. We can talk about the targets for Stephon Diggs. We can talk about the Colts and the carries for Jonathan Taylor all day. But uh, it very, very much it could come down to turnovers at the end of the day, as so many games in the NFL and in the pr- playoffs as well often do, since both of these teams really do get after it and try to get the ball away from opposing offenses. Yeah, and that's where you hope that Phillip Rivers uh... – has learned through his years what his 11 previous playoff starts. And he did. We talked to him the other day. Is you, You've got to be aggressive. There are going to be times you have to squeeze balls into tight windows. But the last couple of games, he's put a couple of those balls up deep, and it just hasn't worked. And, again, this is a team that does it. Buffalo doesn't need help. They're that good. So it's that, it's that fine line between being really aggressive on offense. And I still say – Accent accentuate the running game, but you've got to make plays in the passing game, but you cannot put the ball up for grabs because uh, this, the Colts are not good enough to overcome a two-turnover game. So that brings us to our keys to the game as the Colts get set to take on the Bills, the 2-7 matchup in this year's AFC playoffs. Number one, you got to find a way to rattle Josh Allen. Mike, I think you mentioned it already that he's going to get his in this game. But you've got to be able to limit what he's done. In the three losses the Bills had this year, 
Allen still had six touchdowns. So two touchdowns a game, that's not bad. You certainly expect, uh, you would hope a little bit more. But six touchdown passes, but five interceptions in those three losses as well. So if you're able to, to pick him off, that is, that is big. That is big, big, big. This year, the Colts are 10-2 and two when they're able to force just one turnover. Only one. You're able to get 10 wins and two losses in those games. So the, the chances of a Colts win go up dramatically, obviously, if they are able to force at least one turnover, one takeaway from, uh, from Josh Allen. Joe, obviously, keys to the game number two, run the ball. You, you, you love... You love your some run game. We've brought this back into the into the rotation because the Colts finally found a um, an identity in the run toward the back half of the season, um, and, and doubly important this case because it keeps the ball away from Josh Allen. But you gotta you got to be able to run the football in January, and the Colts seem to be doing that well right now. And Colts fans should be familiar with this because this was everyone's strategy against Peyton Manning back in the day. You run the ball, you play good defense, you keep the ball away from their dangerous offense and keep try and keep the game as low scoring as possible. And that increases the Colts' chances of winning. Besides keeping the ball away from Josh Allen, I think the Colts can run on this defense. The Bills allow 4.6 yards per carry, which is the seventh highest in the NFL. So if the Colts are able to run the ball, convert, that's our next key, convert in the red zone, for touchdowns and not field goals, and then keep this kind of a lower-scoring game on defense, I think they'll have a good chance. Yeah, Mike, to be able to play good situational football in the red zone, that's something that really, I mean, it let a team like the Jaguars hang around last week. We were talking in the second half up in the press box, like, holy heck, this looks so much like the Steelers game. If you if you are able to kick, not kick field goals, but get touchdowns in the red zone, that just it, it is so important, and it keeps it keeps a team from that potential second half comeback. Because if if Josh Allen in the fourth quarter goes in and he's down by fourteen points, that's still plenty to like. He, he you can easily drive for two touchdowns in one quarter. But if he's down, if he's down by twenty one, let's say, or if he's down by ten points and fourteen, that's certainly different. There, there's a big difference be, between one touchdown and one field goal. So to be able to convert in the red zone it, it, against a quarterback that can get points in a hurry is 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 vital. Yeah, again, we were talking to Philip Rivers the other day, and he one of the games that, that stuck, sticks in his mind, uh, the Chargers went to Foxborough in the two, for the 2007, I think it was title game, and it was uh, the unbeaten Patriots, and th- the Chargers kicked four field goals, and, and they lost like 23-12. So he said, you just can't, in these games, you know, it, it, it's kind of football one-on-one. To beat the good teams, field goals won't do it. Now, maybe if you need a field goal in the fourth quarter to put you over the top, fine. But in uh, one thing we talk situational, stay ahead of the chains. You know, second and 13 is not going to cut it. And you get to holding it and it's first and 20, then it's just difficult. The weather is not going to be that bad. I think it's going to be cold, but I don't think anything blizzardy like they had a few years ago but it, it makes it sound like the Colts have to play the perfect game which they don't they just they just can't have the the second and third and longs they can't give them a cheapy touchdown they can't give them whatever uh, I think if they just play a decent game they got more than a puncher's chance in this game and as always as I as I already mentioned really win the turnover battle has got to be a key to this game. And Joe, you say you think the Colts need at least two takeaways to win. I mentioned the stat earlier when they get one takeaway they're 10 and 2, but you think that two is going to be the magic number. 
I think they're going to need two, whether they're two fumbles, two interceptions, fumble and an interception. Like Mike said, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs are going to get theirs. And they're not going to be able to just stop them and make them punt every time. They're going to have to come up with some big plays to counter what the Bills are able to do on offense. We already talked about how hard it is to sack Josh Allen. And even if you sack him and it's third and 14, he can scramble around there. And with that cannon he has, just fit the ball in anyway. I mean, he can throw it a mile down the field. So the Colts are going to have to come up with some big plays to counteract the Bills' big plays. All right, T.Y. Hilton, that's a, that's a call for you. And uh, T.Y.'s had a pretty good uh, December and end of November, of course, too. Uh, he's hit 60-plus receiving yards, I know, in five of the last six games, and the Jaguars game is the only exception. Uh, but, of course, he was a uh, this close to a, uh, what's it called? A def- well, he did get a defensive pass interference against the Jaguars, too, that I think that play would have taken him above 60 as well. So, um, so, so T.Y. on notice as the playoffs begin, a healthy T.Y., uh, as the playoffs begin as well. So uh, those those are our keys to the game as the Colts get set to kick off against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. Let's get to our predictions. FanDuel has the Colts at six-point underdogs to the Buffalo Bills right now. Over-under is set at 51. So you're looking at a final score of about 28 to 23, right in that range, or 28 to 29 to 23 is, um, is what is being predicted at least, Um, 29 points or 30 points. Uh, The Colts defense really hasn't allowed that too much this year. They've allowed 30 plus three times, something that I looked into a bit this week. And the three times they did were against Tennessee when DeForest Buckner was not in the lineup. They allowed 30 plus points to the Browns when Darius Leonard was not in the lineup. And they allowed 30 plus points to the Packers when Danico Autry was not in the lineup. Now, I know Autry, people are not going to put him on the same level as a Darius Leonard or a DeForest Buckner, and I totally get that. But Autry is one of three Colts that have seven sacks or more this year. So if you, you pair him with Justin Houston and DeForest Buckner, that's a dangerous, dangerous defensive front. And when all three of them are together, no team has scored 30 points on the Colts. So I, I just say that in, in reference to this number that, uh, that appears to be what uh, what what Vegas thinks or what FanDuel thinks is, um, is, is a good number at the over under at 51, which would be a projected final, like I said, of about 29, 23. So the Colts defense, I think has performed a little bit better than that. I guess that you all get my, uh, get my hint, get my drift of where I'm going with this, um, with my prediction, but I don't think that the, uh, the number hits 51. I don't think it's going to get that high. Um, I, I think it's going to be slightly lower. I think that the cold certainly will have some kind of impact with it, but not, not a super impact. It's like Mike said, it's not going to be snowy. It's just going to be cold. Um, so I, I think, I don't, I don't think that we get to 51. And now that we're in the playoffs, um, I, I know that we haven't discussed this too much. We, we mentioned it briefly earlier, but I, I, I still find it difficult to, to pick the Colts in a game against elite competition, especially when Anthony Costanzo is not in the lineup. Uh, the, the numbers without him, I think after last week's win, is it uh, like 3-13 and 13 or something? It, it's somewhere in that range. 3-12. and 3-12, uh, excuse me, 3-12 and 12, uh, without Costanzo in the lineup. So you, you get a win against the Jaguars without Costanzo, that's fine, but there, it's completely different going against the Buffalo Bills. So I, 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 I cannot bring myself to pick the Colts this week uh, against a team that is playing – uh, perhaps one of the best teams right now in the NFL. As we mentioned, they're just this close to, 
to being a 10-win-in-a-row team entering the postseason. So I'm going to go with the Bills' final score, 27-21. to 21. Um, I, I don't think the Colts have it at the end of the day, and I think the Bills move on to the next round to face either the Steelers or the Browns in the divisional round of the playoffs. Mike, we'll go to you next. Joe can uh, wrap our predictions up after that. But, uh, Mike, how do you think uh, this Colts-Bills game is going to shake out? I like most of your analysis. I Again, every time the Colts have given up points, they've missed somebody important. Uh, but but I, I, just, I just don't think they're going to make enough plays. I think, this to me, this is a game where they're going to play, if they play 60 plays, they're going to play 40 of them really, really good uh, defensively. But there's going to be those four or five outliers that bite him in the butt. Uh, I got, I've got 31-20, which, what's the over under 51? 51, so you're right on the money. I'll get a push there. But I now, th- this would change if, if my blueprint, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans blueprint works and they can get Taylor to get a, not 253, you know, Right. But 140, you know, be a consistent run game. But I just I just don't trust the defense to play sound enough the entire game. And I think they're going to give up those three or four big plays that are really going to put them behind the eight ball. All right, Joe, it's to you. I'm going to take the Colts in this one. Hey, the, there you go. Yeah, there we go. If the Colts are going to win, I think it's going to be a close game and a low-scoring game. My prediction is 28-26. to 26. Um, I, I don't think anyone tops 30 in this one. And obviously it's hard to stop Josh Allen. Their passing game has been terrific. But this is also the playoffs where more times than not, defense and running the ball wins out. And the Colts are the better defensive team. And the Colts are the better running team. So I think if the Colts can continue to excel in those areas and play a clean game on offense, they'll be able to win this game by a narrow margin. Joe, you, have you got your run the damn hat? You got the run the damn ball hat on? I, I'll grab it right now. It's right here. Well, I, I, I thought maybe you had that in a Quentin Nelson jersey, and I, I just didn't know by the way you're talking. There you go. Joe, Joe's video is off just to make sure we have enough bandwidth to complete this call. We don't want to hog up all the, uh, all the bandwidth in Beach Grove where Mike Chappell is calling in from and uh, try, try to keep the, the kids from to be able to do their, uh, their e-learning at home. So we're, we're making the sacrifice here, not being able to see Joe wherever he is right now. But hang on. Is he going to come on? Is he going to come on? Let's see. Maybe. So we can see him at least. Boom. Wait. Hey, there it is. There's, there it is. there's the hat. Hey. Nice. That's the hat. No jersey. I, the, the, the last jersey I have is Andrew Luck. I haven't put that on since he retired. I can't bring myself to do it yet. But uh, I do have the old Reggie Wayne jersey from back in the day. Maybe I'll put that on Saturday. I got to tell you guys, I think this is a great content for an audio podcast that we're, uh, we're talking about what we can see <laughs> here on this, uh, on this visual uh, Skype call. But, uh, but nevertheless, uh, Joe, Joe is the last yeah. few minutes. Darn right. Darn right. Joe is, Joe is in on the Colts as the playoffs begin and uh, hoping for a trip to either Cleveland or Pittsburgh next weekend. Mike and I not quite as confident. You I can follow the yeah, go ahead. Chiefs, right? Who? Uh, if the Colts win, I think they'd play the one what, seed. Jeez. Would it switch like that? They would play, no. You play, they would play one. They would play the one. One, one gets the lowest remaining seed. Okay, they okay. I, 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 I thought that it was seven. That's my bad. I yeah. thought that it was, um, that it was locked in uh, like the – what's it called? The bracket was. That's, that's my mistake. Thank you for correcting me. But, yes. So, if the Colts win, it would be, it would be off to, uh, to face another tremendous quarterback. So, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not do that. <laughs> 
uh, we, we'll, we'll cross that bridge if and when we come to it, Colts fans would say, uh, hopefully when we come to it. So we do thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter for uh, injury updates especially, but uh, many updates throughout the week at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. I am at Dave G underscore sports. Joe is at Roto Street Joe. And Mike Chappell is at mchappell51. You can read Mike's stuff online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com, as the game approaches this weekend. So for plenty more Colts content, be sure to find it there. Thanks for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next week. 